Blog Talk Radio. Introducing in the red corner, American Tennis! And introducing in the blue corner, your host for American Tennis, Mr. Chuck Reese! Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to get in the game. And I maybe just want to hear Rocky again here. How about Rocky again? Anyhow, folks, I hit the wrong buttons. What the heck can I say? If you want to go, <laughs> did I goof up that thing this morning? And uh, But anyhow, uh, our program today, I sure hope I don't goof up much with the program. We got a good one. And I'm hoping Coach Randy Blumadal will call in here in a minute and uh, sort of, my golly, let me let me tell you what's happening on this. Uh, a lot of stuff, as you know, if you listen to my programs, and and I I want to I don't want to go there where I am just complaining or bashing anything or being negative or pointing out stuff that that is you know just hey this isn't right and. This is wrong, and and those things. I don't want to go there. I don't want to go there at all. We need some solutions. I know that. Um, I want to not just list problems. I, I I want to. I don't want to just. I want to find solutions, and I want you to help find solutions. That's what we want to do on American Tennis. Every week, I talk about some issues in American Tennis, and um, this entire week. There's been something going on. I, I know that something's rotten. In, they say something's rotten in Denmark or something's rotten in any rotten in Kansas. Is it something's not right, is it? 
You know it. I know it if you listen to tennis. You know when things are not rolling as they should. Guys, folks, it's been so long since we've had a champion on the men's side where we can say, wow, that's the guy, that's the role model. My kid wants to be like this champion. Uh, let's follow this example. I mean, some guys are close. I mean, come on. I, I, I got to love John Isner. He's just been out there grinding, and the guy does everything he can do. And you got you got to love Dagon Steven Johnson. I mean, my golly, last two years in college tennis, he was undefeated. Do you realize that? Undefeated. NCAA champion two years in a row, undefeated at the University of Southern California. That guy knows how to win and meat and potatoes all the way. But uh, daggone it, the guy is inspirational to watch. And on the women's side, we've had some flashes there. Uh, but as far as the movement, everything going in the right way, you, you've got to say that the train isn't moving down the track like we want it. We've got a few things, little spurts here and there. The women made a good showing last year at the U.S. Open, real good showing. But basically, that's it. That's the only crumb of bread that we've been thrown as tennis fans or as tennis teachers in, in a while. And, uh, you know, so we know this. Something's rotten in Denmark. Something's not, well, maybe rotten. Maybe it's not just going well. Something isn't working. Something doesn't add up. But what is it and what do we need to do to try to make it all start coming together? And uh, so I'm hoping Coach Blumendahl will come on the program here in a minute and he can point some things out. But I've got to do the lead-in by telling uh, telling you this. So I'm talking to coach last week and I'm saying coach the thing I don't understand at all is that you know I've been golly seven or eight years battling this and I it is as clear as the nose on my face if we continue to dumb things down if we continue to just um, put band-aids on stuff it it's it's really not going in the right direction and, and Coach Blumendahl said to me, oh, he's on the line here. I'll get him here in a second. But I said, why, why aren't the, the ex-professionals, why aren't our former professional players out there and all of the great teachers of the past and some of the older people, uh, and, and frankly, older and wiser? And, you know, wisdom is not something that comes to young people, you know, in a lightning bolt or something. It's something that takes years and years and years to have. But why aren't the older champions fighting this thing, what they're doing, the abbreviations, the no-ad scoring, playing tiebreakers for the third set? My golly, the other day a parent told me my son has only played one third set this entire year, and he's played over 90 matches. What in the world? Are you kidding me? He said, no wonder he goes to the big tournament, he, he can't win that third set. Third set's where all the learning takes place. But it's the abbreviations. It's the no-ad scoring. It's the shortened sets. It's all of this stuff that's a dumb-down. And the participation mentality instead of a championship mentality, and you've heard me often say that participation does not breed excellence. Excellence will breed participation. If you have a great orchestra, you'll have ten good bands, but you can't have a hundred good bands ever make one great orchestra. And on and on and on. And Coach Blumendahl said to me, Coach Blumendahl said, well, 
He said, until it's personal, most people don't take it to heart. He said, if these former pros could see that all of these dumb-downs are going to bastardize, he didn't say bastardize, I'm using that, bastardize or cut to bits their legacy or diminish their legacy, then maybe it would hit to the heart and you could get people on board. But why in the world are we just not doing anything? And I got Coach Blumendahl here. Let me see if I can flick him on the line. I don't know what in the world's going on. There we got him. Okay. Coach, did I say that right? Was that was that your quote? No, that sounds right. That sounds right. Um, we've done a lot of talking about this over the years, and uh, thank you for having me on the show. And, and uh, you know, it, 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 each and every day that, that uh, we keep, I don't want to say fighting the battle. I think it's it's more about trying to do the right thing. It, it inspires me to keep going in this direction. I mean, it's it's very easy today to shoot for the middle and uh, sell out, you know, and I think a lot of coaches feel like that, and, boy, it doesn't end up well. Um, a lot could of players Could I jump in real like quick that. here, Coach? Coach, could I jump yep. in real quick? I apologize. But you just said something. You have skin in the game. You fight the battle, and so have I for over almost eight years now been fighting the battle and because you have skin in the game it matters a lot are are coaches are they just operating on the fringe i mean it it blows my mind that everybody i I don't find anybody that no i I take that back about one out of ten say wow this no ad scoring is interesting or wow you know hey it's good for the game nine out of ten coaches out there and parents absolutely hate it but the problem is in a few years they're not going to know the difference between what is excellent and what is a big daggone marketing scheme. Well, that's that's part of the deal right now is they don't know the difference. And, and uh, you know, it doesn't seem like it is making a big difference. And, and the thing is if they could go 20, 30 years in the future and then look back on what's going to happen, I think, and of course, none of us have a crystal ball, but the direction that it's headed in in the last 20, if you go 20 forward, and it keeps heading in that direction, if they if they could see it, it would mean a lot more to them, because I think that at that point, they would go, oh, wow, that's not where I wanted it to go. That's not how I wanted it to end. And I think that's the hardest thing, is we get into this, and then you know, we all have things pulling us in a lot of different directions and the way the world's, you know, with technology and everything else, we all feel like we're less connected, but we are just inundated with information 24 hours a day. So we're just kind of making it through each and every day and, and days flip by and, and basically, yeah, this stuff kind of passes right through. But with me, I, I'm always searching out how to – I want to be inspired and I want to inspire people around me. So I started thinking a lot about when did it, when did they stop cutting players off teams? Cause this is not just tennis. This goes much deeper. When did they stop cutting players? You know, in tennis is kind of beating the chair. Hey, we got the no cut. Well, you know, why does that matter? You know, why did it matter? I knew it mattered a ton 
when they stopped doing it. I have a good idea why it happened, but I was trying to figure out when it happened, and then I started thinking about all this stuff like with NFL. You know, everybody wanted to be – nobody wanted a bad season. Nobody was searching out great seasons. Everybody wanted to be the same. And it wasn't really what inspires anybody that falls in love with sport. But it definitely gets the middle interested, gets people interested for short periods of time. Um, and, and, and basically it was marketing, a lot of marketing stuff. So but you're, you're saying that, that the marketeers – so you're saying the marketeers have actively sought more people in the average circle than to have dynasties of like the Green Bay Packers or the, you know, San Francisco 49ers or the Dallas Cowboys dynasties. Think about those. Think of the, uh, now, I mean, the, the Patriots, boy, that what a job they've done. But, but the, for the most part, the marketeers are, are trying to push everybody to the middle. Could you elaborate on that some? Yeah, no, I don't think they started doing it. I think they've always done that. I think we've given them more power in the last few years, and that's where I was going with it. I think they've always done that because their job depends on how to get the masses involved. But it, its uh, I'm trying to think of the author of the book. starts with why. Um, when I'm you in shoot, I'm in Phoenix. That's yeah. right. <laughs> yeah, when you shoot for the middle, he says, you shoot for the middle, all you have is manipulation. You know, you, you have to, if you are trying to inspire, it's a small group. It's a small group. But out of that small group, inspiration comes in the, in the middle. of all, all that stuff happens, but it doesn't happen the same way. And when you shoot, you know, it just depends on what you're focused on. And these marketeers, as you call them, they're going to focus on the middle because they want the masses to come their way. Well, at the end of the day, if the whole thing starts going towards that, the rules and everything else, then all you have is manipulation. Well, that's not going to inspire the next generation and the next generation because there's no excellence that's going to come out of that. You're going to lower the bar to do that. So, you know, yeah, I, I'm more interested because week 13, you know, there's 21 out of whatever football teams that are still in, you know, could make the playoffs maybe for a year or two. And then after a while, I'm like, well, is there any – where's the great teams? You know, and there's going to be some arguments in there. But, hey, it, it, it's just a different different way of doing it, you know, and, and – you know, and they've kind of fought that whole thing. And, and, you know, these dynasties, there's not as many, you know, they're trying to trying to make sure that, hey, everybody's got a, a chance, which is okay if, if they get up to the bar. But when you lower the bar to do that, that's not so inspiring. So that's Well, when everybody thought. gets – yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, Coach, but I've, I've got these thoughts going. I just got to jump in there real quick. When everybody makes the team, really, then nobody strives for much. When everybody finally does that, you're supposed to raise the bar when when that happens. But could we go very quickly? I know your time is limited today, and thank you. 
But let's talk about a few of the things where they're doing it in other sports, like what's happened to boxing. NASCAR, I think marketeers and NASCAR just sort of destroyed that, right? I mean, yeah, my wife absolutely. was talking about this, and, and, and a friend was talking about being a teacher used to be the most noble, noble position, but we see our teachers in schools semi-tanking in public schools now because the bar's been lowered. There, It used to be a red badge of courage to be the toughest teacher in the school or something, and then you had people sort of filtering in, but now it's very mundane. I mean, home run, oh, home run races. What happened to the home run races in baseball? Now, I, I, my theory there is the cheating by the daggone Mark McGuire's and the Barry Bonds and the uh, what's the guy up in the Chicago Cub guy. But these these guys, the tragedy was there was a guy named Ken Griffey Jr. at that time that you know was 20 home runs behind and the best hitter and the best fundamentals and the most inspiring guy out there. And he was completely overshadowed by these guys that were cheating, you know? And, and so, I mean, think about that fantasy football. Think about how that is sort of coming in now because the marketeers, what the heck is that? If that, if fantasy football ever inspires me, my God, it'll be my last day in sports. I mean, give me a break. You know, I mean, it's 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 sad, it's laughable. Then in tennis, coach, and I want you to elaborate on this. But giving gold balls out to everybody, they start giving gold balls to the teams, the sectional teams. You'd have a number six guy who is like a one star, a two star player getting a gold ball. I can understand with old people, maybe you give them one, but everybody just said, ah, the old guy has been in tennis fifty years. All right, to see him get a get a ball, but, but anyhow, uh, you know, everything, really. the bumper stickers under the back of the car. My kid is a terrific kid at <laughs> Pendleton elementary school. Uh, my kid is this, my kid is that it's, it's, I, you know, my golly, it's one thing to see, go into a parent's, get, go into someone's home and see that the parents have made a shrine to the kid in the home with pictures and lights and everything like that and they try to make them look better than they are, and the way parents have always done that. But when we have organizations, just there's no cutting anywhere. We're not allowed to tell anybody they're bad. Coach, coach, you go. Well, I I remember with the gold balls, I remember with the gold balls, it's very clear to me. The first year they were handing out the team gold ball, I had this girl come back, and she won a gold ball, and I think she had a losing record on the team. And, and uh, you know, we were hanging banners for all the things that were happening, you know, and a, and a lot of good achievements, a lot of good. And to have your name hung up in, in our bubble up there in the north have your, was a big, big deal to the kids, a lot of peer pressure, a lot of peer pressure in a positive way. And when she came back with a gold ball, there was never a question in her mind, in mine, or any of the kids around that we were going to hang a banner for that. We were not going to do it. And it wasn't an argument. Now, had we hung the banner, everybody else, that would have lowered the standard, and it wouldn't have meant anything anymore to have their name up on the wall so or have a banner put up. So that's uh, – 
exactly what you're getting at. Now, how does this affect things? The psychology of what motivates kids, it gets down to some really simple things, but it's heritage, events of heritage, and those gold balls meant a ton because they only gave them out in certain events that were really tough, and then rivalries, all right? And, and kids, they'll chase after that stuff like crazy. And when they do, they find things inside themselves that no science book finds. You know, you can read all the books, oh, you know, hey, it says you can't do this, you can't do this. But all of a sudden you start seeing things, that, oh, well, I didn't think they could do, okay, they can they can't. And then that inspires the next generation and the next one and the next one. And that's really what makes things very, very exciting. I, a, a player was asking me today, actually, she, was at, she said, boy, the game with Wood Rackets, you know, is it better? Or, you know, what do you think? Would these players make it? You know, today's champions, would they make it? Better? I said, yeah, it would be probably be the same people but I said look it made it very obvious to the fans that were watching when they had wood rackets or the small heads made it very obvious that you couldn't do things that they could do and that's what initially got you going oh wow this is something special this is something special and then the drama built when you were watching tennis and you got into these you know wars you're watching the deuce ads and and then you kind of fell in love with it. Well, now it's it's not quite built like that anymore. It's like, and you, it's just like I, what I explained to her is it's like a Tiger Woods was hitting the ball or John Daly hitting the ball 300 yards. Well, all of a sudden they came up with these big clubs, and I yeah put my persimmon sticks down and I'm hitting with the big Bubba, and I can hit 300, you know maybe twice every 10 shots that I try. But with the persimmon, I can only hit 200 or 225, where those guys could still hit 300 with it. So it, it, it made it obvious that there was a difference. There, there's an inspiration thing there. So technology and then these marketeers have we've tried to outsmart ourselves. And we don't quite understand what really gets people going. But it's not the science. It's not the science. It was, it was funny. I was, I was talking to... Uh, our strength coach, um, and he was talking about a few things that was going on. He said, oh, I want to know the, the special sauce of really what get And I knew all the science and all that. And then what I found out, it's the heart. It's the heart that makes the difference. That's what we're getting at with all this. And if we take that out and we take that away, what do we have? We don't have sport. We have we have aerobics activities and I don't know about you coach. I mean, maybe, you know, so we get older, maybe this, but it, it's not too exciting to be in those step up classes, right? You no. know, where the no. ladies are, Oh, Hey, one, two, three. I mean, that, no. come on. <laughs> if, if football turns into that and baseball turns into that, tennis turns into that. Guess what? not going to be anything anybody's going to chase after and at that point it will be a slow death so there will be some manipulation it's just like we would all still be watching the tour de france if 
those guys hadn't cheated. Amen. When we we found out they manipulated, we were all like, forget it. I don't want to ride a bike. I mean, but if they would have, if they really would have achieved that, we would have tried to find a way. We would have had the next generation trying to find the Tour de France. And I guarantee you that that sport is not thriving in the U.S. But it's the same in tennis. And, and we're not, maybe we're doing it that way as well, but we're definitely trying to dumb down the standards with scoring. I mean, you know, that'd be, well, you know, 21 days is too tough for the Tour de France. Maybe we'll go down to nine, maybe five days, five days. But look at Davis Cup. I mean, look at Davis Cup. Oh, no, it's too hard to travel all the world. We're going to bring it and do Showtime out at uh, where the heck out in the desert, Palm Sprint, Palm Desert, wherever. We're going to do it out there, you know, and we're going to do it in a 10-day period and make it like the Dagon County Fair. We're only going to come once a year to your territory, and everybody's going to – Come on, it's it's a Cuba, it's a rhinestone award. It's not a diamond. The diamond is again. We have a chance to make one diamond in our lives. Why would we settle for a bucket of rhinestones? I got to read something from the Talent Code very quickly here, and have you comment on this. So, a couple things stuck out in early in the book. Folks, go out and get this book, The Talent Code. I keep telling her by that Daniel Coyle. Best book out there to tell you, you want a no BS solution to what for your kid to chase excellence, go get the talent code. They talk about a rage to master, a rage to master. How do you develop a rage inside of someone to master something, working for mastery instead of success? Look, success is too easy, too easy you got big trophies for nothing, and then you don't get anything when you accomplish a lifetime of events sometimes. Let me tell you what's disgusting, Coach, uh, just very quickly to dumb down. I've been blessed enough to be in a few Hall of Fames. Uh, I just put my time in. i got 47 years. And in my life, looking before I got into any of those, and the first couple I got into, I thought it is the most prestigious thing in the world. But Recently, they are starting to stick administrators. One one person that got put in the Hall of Fame was a contributor and had no years of skin in the game, hardly. It was sort of a political appointment. But let me tell you, right now, those things mean next to nothing because they've been dumbed down. But what means a lot is that I know in my heart of hearts that I have given my best and by golly, I've given, on a scale of 1 to 10, I've given my Hall of Fame to myself and to my God and to my family and to my kids. I give my players that I coach, I give a Hall of Fame performance every day of my life. But these guys are so dumb. They they put administrators in there, and they put these people who, they give them a, it becomes a rhinestone. It becomes nothing. A rage to master. I know, and folks, I am telling you the truth. The coach there, Rand, Coach Randy, has this rage to master. He cares about people, whether they're five years old, 50 years old, last on the team, national champions. 
And by golly, I'm following that same footsteps if I can. But a rage to master. Let me tell you what they, they, they I'm going to read a quick paragraph here. It's to start in chapter four, the, the three deep rules, the three rules of deep practice. And it starts out, try again, fail again, fail a little better. He says, after talking with many coaches, he says, I have, I have come to know there's a great phenomenon called the holy shit effect. This refers to a heady mix, mix of disbelief, admiration, listen to this, and envy, not nearly in those orders. We feel, we feel that we feel when talent appears out of nowhere. The HSE or holy shit effect is not the feeling you get when you're Pavarotti sing or watching Millie, Willie Mays uh, swing his bat. They're, those guys are one in a million. We can easily accept the fact that, hey, they're just different from us. They, they are different and, more, and they've been blessed with more. The HSE is the feeling of seeing talent blooming people who we thought were just like us. It's the tingle of surprise you get when that goofy neighbor kid down the street bass in is suddenly the lead guitarist for a successful band, or when your own child shows some inexplicable knack for differential calculus. It's the feeling of where did this come from, the holy shit effect. Now, this is a paragraph later in the chapter. The interesting thing about the holy shit effect is that it operates in one direction. The observer is dumbstruck, amazed, bewildered, while the talent's owner is unsurprised, even blasé. This is a trick mirror quality. Is This trick mirror quality is not merely a case of divergent impressions or of willful naivety on the observer's part, or undue modesty on the talent holder's part. It is a consistent perceptual pattern at the core of the skill acquiring process, and it raises an important question. What's the nature of this process that creates two such wildly divergent realities? How can these people who seem just like us suddenly become talented while barely cognizant of how talented they've really become. Coach, we all as coaches look for the holy shit effect. I think we coach daily looking for it, trying to nurture it and, and, and put them, the kids into, a, into an environment, a, a garden, a, a, and to fertilize and to do everything we can. To, we're looking for this. This is what inspires. But they're few and far between right now. I see it maybe twice a year out of the whole team. I, where is it? And I believe what you said is so significant that you said because things used to be so hard to do, there was a great, great motivation in trying to achieve them. Hard to pick up is hard to put down. Easy to pick up is easy to put down. Please give us your thoughts. I know that's a mouthful, but my golly, it just said what you were saying just fed right into what I've read so many times in this book. Coach? Well, what hits me immediately, and this, anybody that has been watching sport over the years, what hits me about all that, and it, that is one of the best books written in sport. And I agree, every parent out there needs to read that book. 
um, so many kids get in the trap of success. The, the thing is the leadership has kind of pushed them in that direction because we're marketing. We're marketing and we're selling and we're selling out. But it, what hits me immediately is I'm a similar age to Michael Jordan. Do you think in the next 10 or 15 years that if anybody has a similar storyline to Michael Jordan and, and they dominate whatever sport it will be in, do you think that person will have been cut in their sport? I mean, that was the thing that ignited him. So, I mean, we saw thing, we saw him do things that we may never see another basketball player do ever again. He was cut. He wasn't good enough on one of the teams he played on. He Sophomore wasn't good enough school. to sit on the bench. He wasn't Sophomore good enough to sit school. on the bench. So that's why you need to read the talent code is, yeah, when did that moment happen? It happened after that. It happened after that because today what will happen is the administrators will step in after a couple parents complain and they'll say, well, you know, Michael, he probably should be on the team. You know, it, it really upset him that he didn't make it. If you watch Whiplash, you'll understand that as well. Um, but, yeah, that that stuff matters. And I'm not talking about, you know, just, you know, throwing, uh, you know, just just doing things for no purpose at all. These were there was there the the high school coach was chasing after excellence. I mean, high school basketball in North Carolina is not it's not Indiana, I guess you know, but it, it definitely means something. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. So they, they uh, I don't, I just, it, it pains me that we're just going further and further and further and further away from that. And those are not the stories. By the way, they're won't be a player that dominates probably in, well, you know, what what I always ask myself, well, what if you lower the bar low enough? Well, nobody's going to be paying attention at that point. But, um, oh, these are are things we've talked about for for years. Now, how do we raise the bar back? That, I mean, you, you, I remember you telling me this many, many, many years ago. You said, Get when you start, when you start, get the bar up really high because once you start out, if you lower that bar, it's hard to get it back up there ever again. You'll never get it back up. That's right. You'll never. You'll never. So now that we've lowered it, how do we get it back up there? I mean, I think that's the key, and that's what everybody wants to know. Because well, let's address that if we can. What are some of your thoughts? Yep. I've got eight things written down here. I'd like I'd like to ask you. Uh, what what? what t- tell us how to r- raise the bar. Let's get it back up. Our program is let's re- reset the bar for excellence. How? Well, I mean, you you have to go back to. I, I think first of all. The people with skin in the game. This is what what initially hit. You, you asked me a few weeks ago. You said, you know, some of these guys that you know their careers are unbelievable careers in tennis. 
they don't seem to care that we're heading in this direction, which I think they do care, but they don't seem to care enough to go out there and fight the battles anymore. Well, we have to get those people back involved because they're the ones that know. They know where the bar is at. They know how difficult it was and is to attain excellence in the sport. So to get to keep them away, which is I don't think is by design, I think it's by accident because they're just not inspired with this stuff because we're shooting towards the middle, but how do you get them back involved? Well, you you have to they have to look at it as at the end, when they get to the end, what's tennis going to look like? What's it going to look like? And if it doesn't look like it looked when they were playing or in the last few years before we started really, then their whatever excellence that they were able to accomplish in the game, will, will it won't go to the next generation. I mean, they, they, there will, will be no legacy. Will there will be no legacy. So that's what they have to understand. Now, most people that put in that much time and effort will that 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 one will make a difference in in the way they think. Now, it, it's hard to see in the moment. It's really hard to see in the moment. But boy, if we head in this direction, I mean, look what's happened in the last twenty years in U.S. tennis, and and look, you know, the the arguments are going to be. I'll men's give tennis. you a say that with men's tennis for sure. Coach, I just some popped in my head. Let's let's say twenty more years we go on in boxing, for example, has been so dumbed down. You know, I watched this long thing that a coach sent me on John L. Sullivan, the last of the bare knuckle boxers. He fought like seventy two rounds to defend his title one time, bare knuckle. They used to fight until one guy couldn't get up. They didn't have and, and the bottom line on the thing is that's 100 years ago, more than 100 years ago. <clears throat> and do you know in 20 years, do you know any? Do you think anybody's going to remember Muhammad Ali? Or they'll think, are we going to have some fancy type of uh, sport where nobody even knows? Well, let's talk about NASCAR. NASCAR, do you really think – do you really think baseball? I mean, if they baseball's done pretty good, they've done pretty good. But, but that's my thing is that you're exactly right. Nobody's going to remember Rod Laver. Nobody's going to remember Stan Smith or Arthur Ashe or Don Budge or Bill Tilden or Ellsworth Vines or Jimmy Connors or John Matt. Nobody's going to remember. And those guys but, need to understand that. Let's think about what baseball has done in the last thirty years. Multiple times they've been told that their game needs to shorten. It's too long, and the attention span of uh, Americans is not what it used to be, so they need to shorten the game. They've refused to make any significant rule changes. Also, they were told that because, you know, it's a highlight sport, I call it ESPN highlight sport, and this is many years ago, they, they've been told and through, hey, we need to start using more powerful bats and, load the balls and, and, and you know and there was always rumors maybe this was going on we, we found out the truth what was going on was they were using steroids and what did they do they didn't change the bats and what did they do with the the people they found out had steroids they alienated them they gave them the scarlet letter they said hey you're no longer part of baseball 
So they did a lot of right things to make sure that their heritage has been preserved, and they've been attacked the same way every other sport has been attacked. So the game would be probably gone at this point. It would probably be gone because I don't know if you remember, but I remember like late 80s, early 90s, same argument. And, oh, we're not filling the stands, and, hey, we got to do things like the NBA and, you know, all this. But, look, they didn't. They didn't. And I don't remember seeing any open seats in the World Series last night. Um, and, and most baseball games I see on TV look like they're pretty well attended, and those players look like they're making pretty good living playing the game. So, um, yeah, they, they've done a lot of right things to protect the heritage and then also integ- protect the integrity of their rules. So that's, uh, that, that is something that we're starting to slip away from. Golf has done a good job of trying to protect its heritage. All right? If that changes, the game will go backwards very quickly. All right? The, tennis has done an average, below average job, and now we're changing rules like they don't matter. All right? And, and they're the very fabric that kind of keeps this game, separates tennis from Scoring ping pong. Yeah. Yes. Ping yeah. pong or, I mean, or badminton, you know. You know. Oh, it's such a – no, come on. Racquetball. Racquetball, yeah. Pickleball. All right. That, the, you know, what's <laughs> we, – we, 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 we have to understand what really – and then when we understand who we are, then we let the marketeers do their jobs, but we do not allow them to mess with either one of those things. We don't allow them to mess with our heritage, and we don't allow them to mess with any sort of rules that are significant in our sport and manipulate our sport. Technology screwed up. I mean, technology in, in golf, they finally have um... – you know, put some restrictions on the balls. I think the golf equipment has changed so daggone much that they've, I'll tell you, I mean, it's very simple. A lot of your golf courses are now not as challenging as they were. Well, when equipment overcomes the skill set needed to play it, then you change it. Tennis, right away, the ball striking between two players went from. 3.9 or close to four seconds to two seconds per rally, two seconds. And the point being is that it's twice as fast, so ball striking has overcome movement. Therefore, right away, I, I tell you, coaches, one thing I noticed immediately, I coached, uh, coached a long time. So immediately about 1980 to 85 and their players stopped going to the backboard. Always players used to go to the backboard and hit on the backboard. But when the technology overcame the skill set and thing, that that changed right away. So getting people, get the top people back in the game, let's protect our heritage, uh, not relying on technology for the changes. We've got to keep the marketeers under wraps. Now, having the marketeers under wraps just – 
we need strong leadership, don't we? We need leadership that understands USTA, ITA, these groups, ITF. You need to understand that your first job is to protect the history and the heritage of our game, not the market. In the ITA, my golly, oh, my golly, um, 19, 19 board members, they only have six coaches in there, six. The rest are marketeers, and, and it's just frightening that our sports sport is going that way, but but that's another. Any quick solutions? Well, we got a few minutes here, Coach, and I just so appreciate your time. Any quick quick solutions, and I'll wrap up. Um, no, you you go ahead, Coach. I don't have anything off the top of my head. That, that's the main one that those those people have to be involved in. Uh, you know, we we talk about leadership all the time, and that makes a big difference. We have to inspire the kids. The the thing is, it's a huge trap. There's two huge traps out there with our tennis kids, and it's probably like this in every sport. But they get told talent. They've got talent all the time and success. Success and talent, talent, success. Wow, those are dirty words, really dirty words for kids. Um, They don't inspire. They manipulate. And we have to – we're doing a lot of things that that plug into that type of manipulation. And if we could take a step back, we may lose, initially lose, some people that play the game, but our next generation will be much stronger and they will come back a lot stronger. So I think it's going – we're going to have to scale back. We're going to have to take a few losses or – we're going to die a slow death here. So yep, that, unfortunately, that's the only way I think we can we can do, we can raise the bar back up. That's the only way because I, I think if we try to do it any other way, if we think we can maintain while we do it, or we think we can move forward, no, no, absolutely not. And if the Grand Slam start doing this, we've already got Davis Cup. I mean, I don't know what the tipping point's going to be, but, and we may already reached it. We may be on the other side of it. That was something I was always scared of as a head coach. I know that. Uh, Unfortunately, I think we may already be there, coach. We may already be there. And, 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 uh, coach, the other thing is that, that, you know, a few weeks ago, well, I talked to your team about this, about, uh, had a former player that, that practiced for two days with Roger Federer. One thing he said, and he said Federer mentioned over and over again, was how hard he had to work to get to where he was at and to to stay where he's at. How hard he was, you know, he had to, he, in his mind, he had to outwork everybody. He had to outwork everyone. Jordan was the same. And we're telling people the opposite all the time. All the time we're telling the opposite. Not us as coaches, but the people that are trying to promote the game are saying the opposite. And they're doing it in the wrong way. I mean, that's that's great if we want to be an after-school activity and we want to go out and play mixers on Sunday afternoons. But if you know, they won't have anybody to watch. They don't won't have anybody to inspire. So, you know, 
that's that's where my mind goes. So to 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 set the bar high, I think we have to we we have to accept that we're going to take defeat for a number of years before we can get the momentum rolling in a positive direction again. And I don't know if anybody out there is strong enough to do that. Well, I do know the people that are strong enough to do that are the former champions in the U.S. So they're the ones that are going to have to step up. They're the ones that know the bar. And then they, they're the ones that will identify the coaches that will go along with them. And they're the ones that have enough skin in the game. Well, let's find those people. And, uh, Coach, uh, you're one of those people we need in leadership out there. And, and, and God bless you for the work you do. Thanks, thanks very much for sharing your time today. You know, we really, really, really appreciate it, Coach. Thanks. It's well, Coach Randy Bloom and all guys. Yep. You're welcome. Well, thank you for having that's me. Coach, that's Coach Randy Bloomdog. Just sorry for just cutting him off there. Didn't get to go to the commercial. I'm not going to. I'm going to skip that stuff and just say, listen, Coach Randy Blumenthal, every Sunday night, Coach's Corner, his Coach's Corner program, uh, just punch it up. You can go to the daggone uh, Internet and just punch up uh, Coach Randy Blumenthal, Coach's Corner, and then put the date in there, October, and you'll get some great programs, great information. What a great man and, and such such a great coach. I'm going to add, he's, you know, the things he said are so pertinent. But if you've got, if you've been into tennis for a long, long time, don't underestimate your value in trying to promote uh, our, our sport in a way that the excellence and how hard it is is promoted again. We need your help to protect the history and the heritage of our game. We need good decision makers out there. We need the power in your hands. You know, if you're a championship player out there, if you're a coach that's been in it 30 years or more, we need you. They're not the marketeers to protect the heritage. It makes me sick to my stomach when I think that we're putting marketeers on our board of directors and things to try to popularize something. Whenever you go do that, you know where that goes. Um, Again, the resetting of the, vow, the, the bar is up to you. It's up to me. It, it's time for you to stand up to speak out. Come on, there's ways to do that. I would ask you to join our American Tennis Patriots. I've got to get, get going on that a lot better and to keep it updated, but we've started that. Uh, but we need you to, listen, email me anytime at chuckcreasy at gmail, chuckcreasy at gmail. And I will answer. I answer every email, and I will stay in touch with you. We need to our our, our organizations like the USTA. We you guys need to redefine the difference between participation goals and events versus competitive tennis events. That's critical. We can't keep making our wonderful sport into an after-school activity. We need to call out it, call it out when we try to present a rhinestone and make it look like a diamond. Our sport is a diamond. We need to allow it to be the diamond. Each and every one of us are important. Do your part. Don't worry about being politically correct. Look, nobody's helped you up to this point with with funds or whatever. They're not going to help you. 
if you just join up on their side. They're not going to help you. And it doesn't matter if somebody doesn't like you. Let's, let's run your own events. Run your own events. Run your independent events. Promote tennis in your way. Promote it at your park. Promote it at your club. Set up tournaments. Run money tournaments. Do you know before college you can make up to $10,000 a year? Pay the kids. I mean, I'm a college coach. I shouldn't be saying pay the kids. I don't mean that. What I mean is you're allowed, according to NCA rule, 12, let's see, what is that, 12.1.2-4-2, you're allowed now, people are allowed to make up to $10,000, you know, in junior tournaments. Forget it. Don't, you know, kids can be, how about paying them back their entry fee if they make the quarterfinals or more? You're going to become a popular tournament. Are you tired of spending all your money? You tired of going broke, putting fifty dollars or $100,000 in your kids' tennis? And then for them to say, oh, I'm sorry, you're only six in your state. That's not good enough. We're getting a guy six in Argentina who's better. You know, I mean, what? Are you tired of that? Why don't waste your money? There's ways to get good. If But we need everybody run the UTR tournaments. We've had a lot of great, great ideas on this program before. The biggest thing is, daggone it, if something doesn't look right, it doesn't smell right, it probably ain't right. And you know what, folks? We need each and every one of you to stand up, to speak out, and, and uh, just stay the course. This is the greatest tennis. This is, Tennis is the greatest sport in the history of the world. It teaches everything if it's done right. It teaches nothing or very little except social, as a social after-school activity, it doesn't teach much. We got to set the bar high. Remember, the world promises us, or marketeers promises us, promises us buckets of rhinestones. But we have a chance to make one diamond with our lives, and our kids have a chance to make one diamond with their life. But it's hard. It takes time and pressure and a rage to master and a focus and a love of what they're doing, and you don't do that if we dumb it down. Folks, I got to go. I really appreciate you being on again today, listening, and uh, again, listen to your uh, Yellow Ball Network, your tennis network formed by uh, Jason Haynes originally, and Coach uh, J.P. Weber, thank you for the Yellow Ball Network. Folks, Tune in again. This is Coach Chuck Creasy, and remember you're in the process of winning or losing every day of your life, and it has very little to do with a win or a loss. Come.